Welcome to the Retail Transformation Show with me, Oliver Banks. This is your weekly podcast, delivering you the insight, ideas, and inspiration to successfully change and transform in our ever-evolving world of retail. Enjoy listening. Well, hello, and welcome to the Retail Transformation Show. I'm your host, Oliver Banks. I'm a transformation specialist working as a consultant and advisor with retailers and brands to help them navigate disruption and change. I'm also the author of the upcoming book, Driving Retail Transformation, which is out on the 5th of March. And as always, I'm delighted that you have tuned in to this episode. And today, we're at episode 272, number 272. And today, we're going to be taking a look at the key trends and themes that we'll see across the retail industry this year. But let's just take stock for a moment. The turbulence in the retail market and the entire consumer market continues. And what we've seen, as always, is really a bit of a mix of fortunes across the industry, with some winners and some losers. Yet, after a challenging peak trading period that, on the whole, saw delayed and or diminished demand from consumers, left many retailers real problems and challenges around aspects like stock levels, margin, profitability. And so given this, I wanted to dive into the different themes and transformation trends for the upcoming year. We've got seven different themes to go through today. And in full disclosure, to be honest, I don't think there are any groundbreaking themes in those seven. None of them are going to completely surprise you, hopefully. And to be honest, I only feel that's a good thing, right? If there was a brand new, completely unpredicted theme that I was suggesting, it's probably a bit of guesswork, right? (laughs) If no one else had noticed it either. But more importantly, it means we've already got a head start. We're not going to be caught unawares. Although, caveating myself here, (laughs) we of course know that uncertainty exists and the last few years have certainly thrown up plenty of different challenges. But across these different seven themes, I am identifying some different developments and I hope that the discussion that we have today around each of these seven themes is where you are going to find the golden nuggets across each of these different topics. And the one other caveat addition that I'm going to make is around what I call the ever trends. Now, if you don't know what ever trends are, then go and check out episode 200, because these are the themes that really exist within retail and they're always on trends. They're always a key consideration, a key discussion around boardrooms, around retailers, and around the whole industry. So go and check out episode 200 of this podcast and discover the different ever trends of retail, which are in addition to today's topics. So on with the show, let's dive in. And our first theme is going to be consumer spending and consumer confidence. It's still a big challenge, and we're still going to be watching these topics like a hawk over the coming year. And the reason for that is it's likely to be challenging for much of the year. 
For many consumers, the cost of living crisis rumbles on. Although it's fallen out of the media's attention a little bit, in my view, but families, individuals, consumers are still feeling the pinch. Although, hopefully, with inflation beginning to reduce, this should ease. And that's why we're going to be keeping an eye on it. But nevertheless, consumer spending and overall consumer confidence about the future of the world will impact the broader health of the retail industry and all of the companies that build up towards that industry. And we've seen that in some of the trends around the overall retail health index measure that do unfortunately show a pretty downward trajectory right now. So hopefully we'll see that tick up. But in the meantime, as consumers seek bargains and look to stretch those pounds, dollars, euros a little bit further, we'll see the likes of Shein and Timu set to continue to drive into the market. And I feel that the traction they're currently getting right now will also be attracting the attention of other discount retailers from across the world or retailers with a large international presence and the ability to scale their operating model into new markets, in particular the UK, Europe, US and Canada. So if anything, this squeezed consumer will challenge many retail companies, but it will also attract other retail companies that know how to scratch the consumer's proverbial itch, if you will, and can deploy their operating model. So look out for new entrants coming into the market. And unfortunately, that competitive landscape that we know ever so well will become that little bit more crowded in 2024. And I'll also quickly point out that you can check out the show notes page today at obandco.uk slash 272. And over on that show notes page, you're going to find some additional resources around these different themes. So if you'd like to dive deeper with a selection of articles, other podcast episodes, then head on over obandco.uk slash 272. And remember, sign up for the Retail Transformation Briefing whilst you're over there to get all of the key headlines from around the world of retail transformation into your inbox every single week, along with expert insight and tips and techniques to help you transform better. It's completely free to sign up for the Retail Transformation Briefing. So head on over obandco.uk slash 272. Our second theme is going to be around profitability. Now, you could absolutely argue that profitability should be one of the ever trends. It's always a topic, right? But in 2024, it's going to be even more acute, particularly after a challenging peak for many companies where there are lingering hangovers in the form of stock and margin challenges, etc. And given all of this, retailers are going to need to focus on six different work streams to discover their path to profitability. So let's just dive into those six different work streams very briefly. First up, dynamic pricing. We know the market is fiercely competitive and price remains an important factor especially with the advent of e-commerce that helps consumers shop around ever so easily. And so to find your path to profitability, you need to think about how you can adjust your prices to ensure that you're not leaving any money on the table, but you're also competitive across the market. 
and you need to be able to adjust your prices based on supply and demand relative to internal and external factors. So it's really crucial to get after this. It's traditionally difficult, but with the advent of new tools, it suddenly becomes a lot more accessible for many companies. And if you'd like to discover more about this, then reach out and I'd love to talk through the different options open to you. You can email me oliver.banks at obandco.uk. Now, the second of our six work streams to profitability is around customer acquisition and retention. And pricing is part of that, let's be honest, especially for certain categories and certain segments of each category. But you need to have an attractive proposition both for your new customers as well as your returning customers. The advent of social media channels, the rise in content levels, and arguably the decline in total number of physical stores means that customer acquisition is a bigger topic right now more than ever. And with elements like Google ads, social media ads, there's a more clearly defined cost than ever before as well, with a much clearer set of data to be able to measure against. It's not like TV ads or billboard ads of yesteryear. But with all of this clarity, unfortunately, these evolutions means that loyalty is easier to break than ever before, with competitors mirroring different audiences and able to target your consumers, your customers, based on personalized ads. Really, your customers have got more choice than ever before, and you need to focus on how you can encourage people to choose to shop with you. And of course, how you can encourage your customers to continue to return to shop with you time and time again. There's lots of discussion always whether loyalty is real or fictional. And I think it is there, but it's super fragile. And it's very easy for customers to dispose of that loyalty and go hunting for a new retailer. So you've got to really think about how are you acquiring and retaining your customers? Thirdly, think about stock flows, forecasts, and clearance. Now, this is especially important if your working capital is all tied up, but also it's an element that causes huge operational headaches, either through small deviations going up and down, too much stock, too little stock, or through big global events. We've got challenges around the Red Sea and rerouting of container ships. And of course, we've had so many supply chain challenges around stock flows in recent years, from COVID, from shipping containers blocking the Suez Canal, through the Russia-Ukraine conflict. And so understanding that stock flow is crucially important, because if you get your stock flow wrong, then either your entire margin, either as a percentage or as a pound, dollar, euro figure, can evaporate super quickly. So it's a big opportunity on the path to profitability. And while some of it is out of your hands, there's an awful lot that is still in your circle of control. The next element around profitability is around a lean operating model and understanding the processes and procedures across your organization and even outside your organization as well. And really understanding how these are aligning, where you're attributing costs, where you're generating value for the business or for customers, and how your colleagues work within your business. So understanding a lean operating model is essential, as is your data and reporting. Now, we've been talking about data for ages, right? 
But the real value in data lies not in the facts and figures, but more importantly, about understanding the true value of data. And that value is purely in adjusting the future for a positive impact. If you do not take action on the data, then my view is the data is completely worthless. It's telling you a nice little story, but if that doesn't positively change the future, so what? So what, right? And then our final work stream for profitability is around new revenue and profit streams. Because as the industry becomes tougher with a function of more competition, more challenges, more enhanced requirements, those razor thin margins that we know exist across the industry become more strained and more stretched. To solve this, we look for robustness and consistency and agility and lean, all different ways of thinking. And whilst we can do this in a traditional retail business model, it's tough. And so we're seeing more and more companies looking for profitability levers by exploring new business models. And I've got a LinkedIn article on the show notes page to help explore this further. So head on over to obandco.uk slash 272 to discover that LinkedIn article about new revenue streams, new business models, as well as the podcast episode where you can dive into these six different work streams in more detail. So that was a big theme around profitability. Our third theme now is around group synergies. So last year, we saw a number of different retailers buying retailers. Companies like Next, Fraser's and THG, especially UK retailers, were buying retail companies and brands, left, right and centre, it seemed. Often, these companies were being bought from distressed situations where there was a great deal available. And with the challenges that we've already spoken about, there are going to be, unfortunately, more distressed companies. And I think we'll start to see these winners, shall we call them, the companies that are doing well and do have cash reserves or available capital, start to invest in a bigger brand or retail portfolio. And by bringing these different companies into the group, they'll be maximizing the return of non-direct value-adding elements, aspects like IT, HR, even supply chain and logistics. They're value-adding, but they're not directly value-adding to the bottom line, if that makes sense. There is the opportunity to develop synergies across a group. You know, let's take supply chain and logistics. Rather than having two warehouses for two companies, you have one warehouse for two companies, right? And scale that up, obviously, depending on the size of the company. And a great example of this was THG, who bought Biosense, a beauty company, in December 2023. Now, this company was in a challenging situation. And for many buyers, it was not seen as an attractive proposition. But THG managed to acquire it at a bargain price, somewhat paraphrasing Matthew Moulding, CEO of THG. But more importantly, they can turn it almost instantly profitable and positive because of the synergies that they bring in terms of manufacturing, in terms of website development, in terms of supply chain, in terms of channels. And if it works for one company, then really all you've got to do, if you've got the capital available to go acquiring companies, you've got to look for the same pattern, right? 
And with more companies on the market, we're going to see more consolidation and the rise of the retail group operating a portfolio of different brands. Now, let's move on to our fourth trend around the advancement of AI. Let's be honest, AI, especially generative AI, was the buzzword for 2023. But for all of the hype, I suspect 2024 is going to be the year where we really start to get to grips with this and start to think, how can we really effectively use this? And I suspect the biggest advancement in AI is that we're going to stop talking about it. AI is going to be a secret weapon for retailers. It's going to define more of the secret source about how any given company operates, the different rules, the different guidelines, processes, or restrictions that make them work effectively and hopefully profitably. So AI is going to become the competitive advantage going forward. It's going to be a black box for the retail industry and probably other industries as well, right? And for that reason, I suspect we're going to see fewer retailers sharing what they're doing with AI behind the scenes. That said, there will of course be consumer-facing AI, like the home improvement chatbot that Kingfisher has been working on. But really, this is the tip of the iceberg. The majority of the value comes from, like I say, this AI behind the scenes, whether it's non-generative AI, being able to automate and improve forecasts, processes, etc., or whether it's generative AI, helping companies to do what they do better. We're going to be talking about this a lot internally and not talking about this so much externally. Although I'm sure there are going to be lots of SaaS companies with more AI solutions on the market, right? And especially as products like ChatGPT launches their fifth version, there are going to be more automation opportunities. It's going to start to operate across more and more channels. It's going to start to consume and produce more and more different media types as well. And who knows, maybe we'll be on ChatGPT 6, 7 by the end of the year. Who knows? Who knows indeed? So AI was absolutely a big trend in 2023, and it will continue in 2024. Also, just like that was retail media networks. This was a big focus last year as more and more retailers launched their own media network. And in particular, this extended beyond the traditional grocery base into more categories like beauty, home improvement and consumer electronics, plus others, let's be honest. And as it extends beyond this traditional grocery base, we'll start to see more and more store activations. So let's just look at the grocery sector for examples of these. You know, digital screens, big obvious one, but also more traditional elements like shelf barkers, floor stickers, banners, endless aisle sponsorship options, particularly if you're operating a marketplace as well. I think it's interesting what Tesco are doing with Scanizu shop screens as well. And you can begin to integrate that into more data like location-based services using your network to effectively offer personalized recommendations, personalized adverts, personalized product placement based on where the customer exactly is at any given moment. And I suspect the retail media network trend will develop so that every space becomes an advertising space. And we'll start to therefore see new media in 2024. 
Aspects like staff uniform, product placement in adverts, window displays, website headers, and even training colleagues into brand specialists so that they can provide personalized recommendations, expert advice. And all of these will become retail media network opportunities here in 2024. However, there is a big watch out for retail media networks in my view. The advent of social media taught us and taught consumers that if you, as the user, are not paying for something, then you are the product. Perhaps you've heard this phrase before. Let's take an example, a Facebook account. You know, you are not paying for access as you, as the user. So therefore, your data, your behaviors, your interests, your preferences, and you are the product that, of course, Facebook is selling to companies who are looking to target to you. And the same, therefore, is increasingly true for a shopping experience. And the watch out and the crucial question is what happens if and when the customer realizes that they are the product? When do they get overexposed to sponsored products? When do they find that all of these products being pushed to them are perhaps poor quality and they're not really what they're looking for? Although they might be very profitable from a a media point of view for the retailer. What happens when customers realize that they don't want to share their data because they're not getting value? They're not getting a genuinely helpful personalized experience. What happens when customers choose to shop elsewhere because they don't want too much retail media? So I think this is a really important point because retail media networks scale with traffic numbers, right? Footfall, website visitors, whatever. But if we get greedy, then suddenly we'll see those important traffic numbers disappear. And actually, that's when we're in big trouble because that will hit, of course, not just your retail media revenues, but your entire retail revenues. But nevertheless, expect to see more developments in retail media networks. And interestingly, brand marketing teams are going to have to think really hard because they're going to have so many more channels to spend their marketing and advertising dollars. So it will be fascinating to see how this develops and how brands allocate their budget across traditional media networks, TVs, billboards, etc., social media networks, and now retail media networks as well. Following on from that, our next theme, we're up to number six now, is around apps. Companies have seen great success with apps. And this shouldn't surprise us in many ways because an app is more likely to be downloaded and used by your existing most loyal customers. Whilst it can help to acquire new customers, it's probably less likely to attract brand new consumers that have never come across your company before. Just download a shopping app. Although admittedly, there are other apps that can add value in different ways. So consider that as well. But apps overall are more likely to lead to a really strong retention, strong loyalty, as we were talking about earlier. But we must also recognize that consumers only have so much headspace and screen space for different apps. So you can't expect every customer to download it. That would be an unreasonable target. And actually, consumers 
will only have their top retailers as downloaded apps. But if you make it into that top retailer selection, then that's absolutely fantastic because you're one click closer to being able to retain that customer and get that loyal purchase time and time again. However, the app experience remains crucial. Apps are not new, but they still can be quite clunky. I can think of an app that I downloaded for one of my favorite stores. I was a very loyal customer. And when their app came out, I downloaded it. Yes, excellent. But the app was clunky. It forced me to log in every single time I accessed the app, even just to browse the range and the categories. And this quickly became frustrating. It became the extra speed bump that was just an annoyance. But given the app was new, I thought, you know, I'm going to give this a little bit of leeway. I'm going to give the company some time to develop it and update it. But it didn't happen. It was still clunky. And so what happens next? Uninstall with a negative brand experience, unfortunately. The mobile website is far superior for this company, even without the login issue, frankly. So you could argue easily that the app, in this instance, has been a waste of time and development money, whilst also creating this negative brand reputation. However, that said, as a loyal customer, it's probably not changed the total amount of cash that I spend with them. Although, if they had had a great app, and it was super easy, and they used the data effectively to create personalized options, offers, etc., then whilst I probably haven't reduced the amount of money, I could have been spending a lot more with them, and therefore they'd have been winning market share from their competitors, who I also use. So apps are still a big opportunity for attracting and winning your most loyal customers. although. If you get it wrong, you could well be missing out. So ensure that an app is effective because, like I say, apps are nothing new and consumers have got an expectation that they're just going to be seamless. They're going to work really effectively, quickly, etc. So doubling down on app development will be a big theme for 2024. And then our final big theme Given the tough market in 2024 is that we are going to see companies battening down the hatches. You know, we've spoken about this throughout, right? The undertones are the market is difficult. And therefore, we'll see companies, like I say, batten down the hatches and focusing on cost-saving plans and programs. This is going to be a major focus. And it's also important to think about, you know, when we're talking about cost-saving, are we talking about cost-cutting? Or are we talking about cost optimization and making the most of what you've got, making sure every pound, dollar, euro is invested and delivers value for the company, maybe to customers, maybe to colleagues, maybe to both, or maybe in other elements as well in terms of sustainability, for example. So really focus in on value creation as we batten down the hatches. Companies will start to cast aside some of the frivolous investments that they've been making. Now, let's be honest, making a frivolous investment is probably never a great approach. Spending money for the sake of it, so to speak. So let's assume no one's doing that. But what we will start to see people consider is, is it prudent to pause or perhaps cut back on some of our longer term experimentation where we don't have a clear path to value or a clear path to profitability? And instead, like I say, 
focusing their efforts onto the value creation. I've just released a LinkedIn article actually looking at Nike's cost saving plan that they've just announced, looking to save 2 billion across a number of different work streams. So check out the link to that article on the show notes page, obandco.uk slash 272 once again. And remember to sign up for the retail transformation briefing whilst you're over there, which will help you to keep your finger firmly on the pulse of the market as it evolves through the year. Because 2024 could well be the year of the cost saving plan. More and more retailers are looking to this approach than ever before. But whilst it could be done effectively, it could also very easily lead to companies tying their shoelaces together, so to speak, either by intentionally cutting back harshly or through unintentional consequences of the changes and the cuts that they're making. And so when it is the time for growth, when that opportunity does reveal itself, like I said, the shoelaces are tied together and you trip up, right? So banding down the hatches will be an effective approach if done correctly. So those are our seven themes for the year. But don't get me wrong, I don't want you to think that I'm all doom and gloom about the retail market in 2024. I absolutely still see major opportunities for different companies across the industry. And with these different opportunities, a key mindset for the year as I discussed in the last podcast episode, episode 271, by the way, is around driving, driving your focus and your intention, driving your prioritization to focus on the meaningful changes. Where are you going to get the best bang for your buck? You're going to need to be able to navigate the disruption, be that through unexpected events impacting, let's say, supply chain or impacting colleagues, etc., but also running your organization in a lean and an agile way just in case. You're going to need to understand the status quo and the reality of today, even if, especially if, actually, especially if that is uncomfortable. And you're going to need to deliver change effectively. Because if this delivery, if this execution fails and the change never embeds, it's a massive, massive lost opportunity and potentially a huge distraction for the whole business and your customers. And that could deviate your core business into real danger. So as we progress through the year, my aim remains resolute. My aim is to help you to deliver effective, successful changes and transformation. Now, I've been doing this for years as a consultant and advisor with OB & Co. I've been doing this for years through this podcast and through content on LinkedIn. But on top of all of that, this year also heralds a new resource to help you with this mission. My book, Driving Retail Transformation, How to Navigate Disruption and Change, is out very soon on the 5th of March. And so absolutely stay tuned to the podcast for a whole load more information as we build up to that launch date, that publication date. And I hope this acts as the guidebook, like I say, on the front cover to help you navigate disruption and change. And you can find out more about the book at drivingretailtransformation.com. 
So thank you so much for tuning in today. Those are the seven themes. Lots of opportunity, some big watchouts as well. And I'd love to hear your thoughts. What are you intrigued by? What are you confused by? What are you challenged by? Reach out to me on LinkedIn, either comment on one of my posts or perhaps send me a message or a DM or email me oliver.banks at obandco.uk. And I'll put all of my contact info on the show notes page, which once again, you can find at obandco.uk slash 272. I appreciate you listening. This is a big, important episode for the year ahead. So feel free to share it. I'd be immensely appreciative. And if you're sharing on social media, especially on LinkedIn, do tag me in. I'd love to hear your thoughts, your reflections, and any additions that you've got as well. So listen, we're wrapping this one up right now. Stay safe, and I'll look forward to joining you in another episode of the Retail Transformation Show very, very soon. Bye for now. Thank you.